Blog Talk Radio. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. America has given the Negro people a bad check. But we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. Those who hoped that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content, will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Live from Chicago and Las Vegas, you're tuned in to the show that's always on top of what's trending. It's Page One with LaVar and Mary on Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio Nation, you are tuned in to page one. Good Friday to you on this January 15th, 2021. I am LeVar uh, here from Chicago, and tonight joining me out from the west, or did I say the left? <laughs> is my wonderful <laughs> friend Mary. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's the weather out there? It's nice and warm here. 
You, well, when we say when you say warm, are you actually meaning like a sixty degree warm, or do you talking about just like a? Uh, I don't know what's what's we warm. We had seventy today? today. We had seventies today, so I was out in t-shirts, man. It was kind of cool, January t-shirt weather. I am actually, I'm a little jealous. Um, it was actually kind of it's it was snow. But then it was uh, sunlight, and the snow melted, and it was kind of like Mother Nature just couldn't make up her mind what to do here today. Um, <laughs> still winter, still keeping a watchful eye towards everything. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, it was it, it was decent. I don't know what the weekend will bring. I do know uh, snow. I think is predicted for parts of the east. This weekend, so that Bills game is going to be very mm-hmm. interesting this week. Um, mm-hmm. But on the almanac this week, uh, if you're joining us today, is National Bagel Day. Uh, it is also National Booch Day. Um, that is for you kids who aren't familiar with it. Um, it was it's, it's National Kombucha Day. Uh, so. <laughs> Celebrates the beverage. Uh, it's also National Hat Day and Strawberry Ice Cream Day. So if you're looking for a dessert this evening, uh, as you're listening to the show, um, have some strawberry ice cream, and then ahead tomorrow, Big Newton Day, uh, Nothing Day, Religious Freedom Day, Without a Scalpel Day, Use Your Gift Card Day, and I know that it, that means a great significance to you. Um, yes. And then on Sunday. Bootlegger's Day, Hot Buttered Rum Day, and uh, on Monday, uh, Winnie the Pooh Day. Uh, And also, for those of you this weekend, I do hope that you do remember, or at least at some point, uh, take a little time to acknowledge uh, the holiday for Dr. Martin Luther King. And I know that was a condensed version of the speech. The speech itself, if you've never had a chance to listen, I think I've said this year in and year out, if you've never had a chance to listen to the I Have a Dream speech, Shame on you. Um, 17 minutes in length is the speech. And his career is not just about one speech. There are also great speeches that he is also uh, given that uh, a lot of people, I think, tend to forget about. Um, and hopefully you'll get a chance this weekend uh, if you have a chance. Here's the wonderful thing about it. YouTube is now a plethora of information. No one has no excuse not to pull up YouTube and at least listen to something or see something. But there's even things for kids in regards to Mm -hmm. uh, explaining the things that Dr. King did in his lifetime, which if you don't forget, he only lived for 39 years. That's that's something. Mm -hmm. Only 39 was assassinated in 1968, born on this day in 1929. So... Something. Um, that, that speech still oh. gives me goosebumps. Still gives me goosebumps. Pardon. Yeah. The speech yeah. still gives me goosebumps. It's just great. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like, what did you do in your 39 years? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, someone changed the world, and you know, and I, I know, you know, like I said, that's only a condensed two minutes of that speech. Uh, listening to the, you know, I, tonight I was very much kind of between playing the whole speech, um, 
one of these days, I think what we will do is we will actually just devote time to like playing the entire thing. Um, so we will hopefully get a chance to do that uh, as we do this show. But a lot of things going on. Um, and I hope I do not forget anything tonight. Well, usually when I come into the show, there's quite a bit of things that I have written down. Before the show actually began, though, I wanted to get your take on something because this was actually quite interesting. Um, in right now, of course, we are going – this wasn't even a part of the other things that we've got to talk about tonight. Uh, but on Thursday night, the Basketball Hall of Famer and TNT analyst Charles Barkley – uh, pretty much suggested <laughs> uh, that uh, professional athletes should, quote, get preferential treatment in the rollout of the coronavirus vaccine. He argued that NBA, NFL, and NHL should jump the vaccine line due to their relatively heftier tax bills compared to the rest of the population. He says we need 300 million shots giving 1000 to some NBA players, NFL players, hockey players, as much taxes as these players pay. Let me repeat that. As much taxes as these players pay, they deserve some preferential treatment. Uh, co-host Kenny Smith challenged Barkley's assertion, and when he and he's asked for life and death, yes, Barkley responded. Smith then said, we can't go there. Barkley's claim came amid a series of coronavirus outbreaks affecting NBA teams, which has led to postponement of several games in recent days. And the debate over the role of pro sports in the athletes in relation to virus testing and treatment has been an issue essentially, uh, you know, the outset, since the outset of the quarantine in the U.S. And uh, the NBA turned heads back in uh, last March when it revealed how the two teams involved in the league's first outbreak, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz, has successfully commandeered a fair percentage of the state of Oklahoma's daily testing kits when they were scarce. Um, there's still a debate over that. And a recent New York Times article described uh, attempts as the, of saying, like, pretty much the wealthy and well-connected have attempted on jumping these vaccine lines. And I listened to it. I couldn't believe it. But then again, I'm not shocked by it. But here's the thing. If you're going to make that argument, you don't make that argument based on how much money you have and just, quote, how much in taxes that you're pumping into the population. Um, that's kind of now saying, hey, we put a lot of money in, but then again, we, you know, where's that money coming from? Us. You wouldn't be making that money if it wasn't for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, doing pretty much is just a skill set that you're just showing off in front of a paying audience. We, the paying audience. So it kind of like fails your whole debate on trying to jump the line because quite frankly, uh, everyone could pretty much just say, screw that. We'll just turn off our TVs. I mean, you already got your contracts, but if we all turned around and did not go to anything for the next five years, you're going to need us. And guess what then? So, 
I think a little short-sighted in Charles' mind. I, I get it from an entertainment thing, but you got to remember, once again, the only people that should be jumping the line is the person that's working at the grocery store, the person that's working you know, with the general population and still making things go. Because last I checked, athletes don't make the world go round. What's your thoughts? You already, you already know my thoughts on this. But for the new viewer, for the new listener, for the person that doesn't know where I'm, where I'm going to be coming from, I will try to keep it short and sweet. That's BS, and I can't believe it. That tantamounts to, in my world, the same as a politician saying, I need to have the, virus, or the vaccine first because I'm a politician. You know what? F you. The people that need the it just brings more disparity to the people that are hit the hardest. Right now, the virus is hitting those vulnerable populations. That's your underprivileged. That's your elderly. That's your people confined to very tight quarters. So people that are in nursing homes, people in jail, people in like uh, people in long-term facility, long-term care facilities, people that are in Section 8 housing that are basically piled on top of it, uh, on top of people. I know that seems. I am. A, I am. I keep going back to the fact that I'm privileged, and I may not be like the like I may not have the most privilege in the world, but I am lucky. I am blessed. I have a job. I have something that I can go to and, and I still earn an income and I can still pay for my bills to pay, you know, for, to put food on my table and gas in my car. And I know plenty of people mm-hmm. that can't. Mm-hmm. Those people that need to be at the front of the line are the people I just mentioned, the people in the vulnerable populations, and then your first responders, and then the people that are keeping this country going, the people that have been stuck doing this stuff in masks, with people yelling, screaming, and spitting at them, or not, since day one. So you're looking at your clerks. You're looking at your shopkeepers. You're looking at your business owners. You're looking at your restaurants. You're not looking at your athletes, your movie stars, your politicians, your casino hosts. You're not looking at... The politicians is the one that throws me right off the bat. They should not be the first in line. I'm sorry. But yet they are. You know, there are people that are like, well, I'm the mayor. I've got to keep this county going or I've got to keep the city going. No, you don't. Baloney. Can you, can you, can you run a payment for a water bill? Show me. Because right. if you can, then all right. Because you're not doing that. You're working from home and doing press conferences on Zoom calls. Forget you. Forget <laughs> you. I just, no, no. Charles Barkley, I, okay, so I didn't hear about this story until right at the show. And Barkley, I have been a fan of Barkley for a very long time. I always enjoyed him. He was, he actually spoke eloquently, and I thought that he was a very smart individual. He's dropped so many pegs in my, in my opinion because of this. And that's a sad thing. Yep. And that was me keeping well, it short and sweet. Yeah. So for today, unfortunately, while I, like I said, I, I like Chuck. Sometimes he's right on some things, but on this one, he's totally wrong. So unfortunately, I have to give him the Lucy Award. So. You block it.
Yeah. Sometimes we just have to give that award out, but yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, but that I kind of broke uh, today. Uh, I wanted to make sure to get that in because uh, that was unbelievable when I heard that. Uh, also, in the news, I guess something that, you know, here's the thing. I guess I don't follow viral Twitter or TikTok that much. And it wasn't until last week that I kind of read about this, uh, and I guess there was a lot of criticism. Um, but it was something uh, – well, pretty much after an onslaught of criticism, the music- musician and podcaster dad who became known on Twitter simply as Bean Dad has apologized for and deleted his viral thread about his daughter struggling with a can opener for six hours. Uh, John Roderick posted an apology on his website explaining to readers that his thread had been poorly told and reflecting on how it reminded people very viscerally of the abuse that they experienced at the hand of a parent. I was ignorant and sensitive to the message that my <laughs> my pedant dad comic persona was indistinguishable from how abusive dads act, talk, and think. He says, I woke up yesterday to find out that I had become, quote, <laughs> Well, not cool, but pretty much hashtag bean dad. I was a locus for a tremendous outpouring of anger and grief. It took me hours to fully grasp. I uh, reread the story and saw clearly that I had framed it so poorly, so insensitively. Bean dad, full of braggadocio and dickhead swagger, was hurting people. I'd conjured an abusive parent that many people recognize from real life. Uh, He said that he was deeply sorry for his words and wishes that no one had to grow up with a parent who tortured them physically or emotionally. Now, what happened was that he had penned an extensive uh, Twitter thread over uh, last weekend about his daughter discovering a can opener and finding herself unable to figure out how to use it. Instead of immediately showing his child how to configure the gadget, he insisted that she figure it out herself and watched as she did so for hours on end. (laughs) In the thread that's since been deleted, he says, So yesterday my daughter was hungry, and I was doing a jigsaw puzzle, so I said over my shoulder, make some baked beans. She said, how? Like all kids do when you want you you to do it. So I said, open a can and put it in pot. She bought me the can and said, open it how? He wrote that he insisted she study the parts, study the can, figure out what the can opener and vendor was thinking when they tried to solve this problem, and told her, sweetheart, Neither of us will eat another bite today until we get into this can of beans. The culmination of the thread is that after six hours on and off, the daughter ultimately gets the can of beans open. In response to the thread, Twitter quickly exploded with critiques of his parenting. Uh, What he called a teaching opportunity was lambasted as an abuse, ridiculous, and unhinged. So I am pretty sure – that at some point, all of our parents, and I'm well on this one, I think six hours is a little bit too long. Um, mm-hmm. All of our parents have wanted us to learn something on our own. Um, so I guess here, <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of like I'm thinking it's kind of a jerky thing to do for six hours. I mean, I would think that afterwards, you know, maybe after a couple of minutes, you know, you use this as a learning point and say, hey, you know, uh, this is a can opener. I know you don't see it a lot. This is how it works. And then you teach. It's a teaching moment. 
six I mean is what he did pretty much over the top it's the time that he took to it like he did say neither one of us so that's a positive um he did say, you know, I want you to figure it out. I want you to think about what they were trying to do. So that's a positive. I think what did him in was the fact that it took six hours and that he didn't help at that point. The only thing that I can come to his defense on is that if in that six hours she never said, I can't figure it out, help. If at any point she says, and meant it, because you know kids these days, it's like, I don't know, help, and just hands it over and expects you to fix it. Um, but it's like, no, 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 you're going to do this. There's a way of, like, let's, let's get you going through this. Like, let's do, let's do this for you. Um, it got – I have a teenager, and that teenager has critiqued <laughs> – me in the past for buying a can that had one of those tabs that you pull pull up and then you could tear off. Hmm. And she had to use the can opener. I went, I went a little nuts on that when I said, well, if that's what you want, then you can go grocery shopping and you can buy the cans that have the tab pull open tops I'm going to buy whatever is on the shelf and if I need a can opener then I use a can opener and if it doesn't then it doesn't see that's how that works for me (laughs) Um, but then it was also that was a response because I know she knows how to use a can opener because I've taken the time to show her how to use a can opener and then we've gone through the next time and said "All right, I've showed you once it's your turn kind of thing. I think it's just the, the way, I think it's just the time frame. It shouldn't have taken six hours. It should have only taken yeah. an hour. It also should have taken the child being frustrated and like, okay, I cannot do it. Now, he did say on and off in the story, but I don't know what that means either. She could right. have probably put it down and went, I'm not that hungry, walked away for an hour and came back. Hoping that mm-hmm. in that hour, dad got hungry and opened it up himself. So it's quite a possibility. There's a lot of things that we don't know. I get why he's being critiqued, but then there's also the other side of it. It's it's kind of one of those things. It's bad that you have to apologize for parenting. But I get where where some people are getting upset about it because the parenting gets harsh. So it's it's that fine line. It's that towing that gray that that fine line of between parenting and abuse. Right. No, I agree. Uh, at least, because to me, I was like, man, that's pretty long, man. Six hours, <laughs> and, you, mm-hmm. and you and you watched her struggle through this. I was like, what the heck? What are you gonna do next? Uh, take her but outside. He said on and off, her. and that's the part that I keep going back to. He says on and off for six hours. So tell me that you wouldn't look at a teenager these days and have them go fine, whatever, put it down, walk away for you know playing on their phone for an hour or two. And hoping in that time frame somebody opened it up and they come back down and the can was so close and then being frustrated. I know that happens. I have a teenager that does that. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised that she didn't take advantage of YouTube and just pull it up to see how it worked. Wiki, how? Google? (laughs) Like any of those. (laughs) 
Did he stop her from doing that? <laughs> I was surprised she did. Uh, but hey, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Nope. Uh, but uh, hopefully that's the last we hear about being dad. I don't want to hear anything else in 2021 <laughs> about being dad. <laughs> but though I right. know 2021, uh, this could drag on. Uh, came across an interesting <laughs> article uh, just a couple of days ago from the New York Times. And I know uh, over the last few weeks we've had some guests on the 401 Lounge, which will actually lead me into something. Uh, Sunday night on the 411 Lounge, Marcy Diamond uh, will be on. She promised me, promised me she'll be there. Uh, a little <laughs> bit of a... Uh, <laughs> it's a little snafu. Uh, a little That's bit, all was. I know. It's a little bit of a snafu last Sunday night, but she will be here this upcoming Sunday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. Um, and one of the things that's interesting of note is... It's a question that I've asked all of those guests these last few weeks, and it's been about OnlyFans because it's uh, it's amazing to me because in this time uh, of uncertainty about jobs, a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of amateurs, not just celebrities, not just adult stars, not just models, who have now gone over to starting an OnlyFans and trying to earn extra income. And this New York Times article, I'm not going to get all the way through it, and forgive me if I kind of go through bits and pieces here, Uh, but it follows uh, one young lady who stopped working at her job as a medical biller in June to take care of her two-year-old son after his daycare shut down. And needing a way to pay her bill, she created an account on OnlyFans uh, started posting photos of herself nude or in lingerie, and she has made $64,000 since July, enough not just to take care of her own bills but to help family and friends with rent and car payments. She said it's more money than I ever made in, her, in any job, and I have more money than I know what to do with. Uh, another person was hoping for a similar windfall when she started her OnlyFans account in November, uh, she's a restaurant worker in Billings, Montana. She had been laid off three times during the pandemic and was uh, so in need of cash by October that she had to drop out of dental hygiene school. And after donating plasma and doing odd jobs, she still didn't have enough to pay her bills. So at the suggestion of some friends, she turned to OnlyFans. She has not been uh, popular with that, has only made about 500 And as of December... OnlyFans, which was founded in 2016 and based in Britain, has boomed in popularity during the pandemic. Uh, It had more than 90 million users and more than 1 million content creators, up from only 120,000 in 2019. With millions of Americans unemployed, some like those two ladies are turning to OnlyFans in an attempt to provide for themselves and their families. And with the pandemic taking a particularly devastating toll on women and mothers, wiping out parts of the economy where women dominate retail business, restaurants, and healthcare, a lot of people are migrating to OnlyFans out of desperation. And if every person, like the first person who's able to use OnlyFans as their primary source of income, there are dozens more like the second who hope for a windfall end up with little. 
and worries that the photos would now hinder their ability to get a job in the future. And it's already pretty much an incredibly saturated market. So the idea that people are going to just open up the OnlyFans account and start raking in a dough is really kind of misguided, according to some. Um, and there's so many people. And just to, to back on this, OnlyFans takes a 20% cut of any pay. Uh, some co- creators receive tips through mobile payment apps, which aren't subject to that cut. Uh, and that's how the first person earned a lot of their money that way. But there's so many people that are beginning to uh, go into this and go into that. And, and we're not, and this is the one thing about this is that the purpose of talking about this article is I'm not going to judge them because what you do is what you do. And if you have to do it, it and it's sad that we've now gotten to a point of where a lot of people feel that they have to turn to doing things on OnlyFans, which I guess is safer than what some of the other options out there could be. But I guess looking at it from a standpoint of if you're in that situation, uh, would it be hard not to do something like an OnlyFans? Oh, I... As a single mom, I would say I would do anything that I needed to do to be able to provide for my family, for myself, for my child, for whatever the case may be. I know people that are like that, and most single mothers are like that. They would donate plasma, donate blood, (laughs) donate eggs, um, chop off their hair and sell it. They they do whatever they needed to do, work multiple jobs if they had to. Um, so in that vein, it would be very, I would be very hard pressed to sit here and say, no, of course I wouldn't do that. I would also be very hard pressed to say, absolutely, I would do that. I would say that that, that would cross my mind. And if I had to, I would. Like, it would be one of those things where if I could come up with something that I knew would be, that would bring me what I needed it to bring me, I would do whatever I needed to do. Um, but as a normal, just just run of the mill, I, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's a very personal question. It's, it's every single person has to make that decision for themselves. And bravo for the people that do end up making it. Bravo for those people that end up with those windfalls. And don't be discouraged for the people that don't. I guess yeah, as yeah, for every positive, there's also negatives. And the article kind of goes on to talk about some of the negatives, which is um, it's depressing. At the same time, it's sad that, you know, it kind of forces people. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you have – if you're a single parent and you, you know, know that you may be able to make some money – doing this, you know, it's kind of like, what choice do you have? Do you see your kids starve, which no one wants to see their kids starve, or losing their apartment? And it's kind of mm-hmm. forced at that. Uh, so, it's a very interesting article if you have a chance, uh, and it's online, newyorktimes.com. Uh, you can check it out and read it. Uh, but I know I usually ask a lot of our guests about their um, appearances on OnlyFans, and um you know, like I said, while they have the household name, a lot of other people don't have the household name, and then that's where you're trying to make a name for yourself. And it's just how big of a name do you mm-hmm. want to make for yourself? At? So, yeah, um, very, very interesting. So, 
tonight. Um, no commentary, uh, but we're at the halfway point of the show, which means that it is time for our retro commercial and for our retro PSA. Just to kind of give you a little Woo! bit of a backup for the retro commercial, it is well known. Uh, the retro PSA I had to dig all the way back to the 1950s for this one, late 1950s. Uh, a lot of PSAs from then generally were about two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes long. Um, but this one, this one had a simple thing for all the guys and girls out there who were actually going to be going out on a date, and it's from the American Dental Association. Uh, so we'll play that one first, followed by a retro commercial that all of you are aware of, and maybe you might partake in this weekend. And then we'll be at, we'll be back on the other side uh, with, do you want to know your fate if you had the chance to know it? And also, we will tell you about a person who lost about $220 million and has made peace with it. You'll be amazed at that, but all that's on the other side. First, you're listening to page one with LeVar and Mary. We'll be right back in about a minute. Life seemed dull? Well, don't be blue, because I can tell you what to do. And guarantee she'll notice you. Yeah. Brush your teeth. Take a shower, shave your chin. That's how grooming should begin. To make her see you? Yeah. Brush your teeth. Fashions come and fashions go, but if you really want to glow so that he'll see you, yeah. brush your teeth. Shoes all shine, pants pressed right, but if you're gonna hold her tight at that dance on Saturday night, yeah. brush your teeth. Buttons and bows and painted toes, powder on your turned up nose, he'll look at you yeah. if you brush your teeth. Brush that hair down thick or thin. If it's too long, get a trim to make her dig you. Yeah. Brush your teeth. This is a public service message from your local dental society and this television station. The name of the game is Connect Four. Gotcha. Four cross. Hmm. One more game. Object, connect four of your checkers in a row while preventing your opponent from doing the same. But look out, your opponent can sneak up on you and win the game. I won. Where? I can't... Here, diagonally. Pretty sneaky, sis. Connect four, the vertical checkers game from Milton Bradley. You're listening to Page One with LeVar and Mary on Block Talk Radio. Your source for all the current topics and news you need to know. Here's LeVar and Mary. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. <laughs> you, you have to see the old PSA for the American Dental Association because it's, it's so 50, it's just insane. Uh, but, of course, pretty sneaky if you have Connect Four. Um, how many fights used to break out over Connect Four? <laughs> ah. I think that's like that's right behind Uno, I think, in family fights. I was going to say Uno was more. Yeah. So, Udo first, maybe Connect Four after that. 
<laughs> oh, but welcome back. You are listening to page one. I am Lavar. That's Barry. Um, so question. Uh, would you want to know your fate, even if it was good news? No. <laughs> I'd F it up. I'm going to be 100% honest. I would F it up. If somebody said your fate was this, <laughs> I would go, oh, okay. And then instead of doing what I would normally do on a day-to-day basis to work towards what I wanted to happen, I would think around. I would F it up, and I would count on something that wasn't there. So no. <laughs> I would not want to know my fate. Good or bad, just just wink and nod at me if I if I live for more than a day. <laughs> oh no! You know what? Actually, I messed that up because I should have asked. Um, I should have did it this way. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead back off again, even though you already gave the answer. I would say, would you want to know? <laughs> Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is still no. <laughs> the answer is still no. Well, basically, there is, a st- there is a study. Most people would rather not know what fate has in store for them uh, or for the future, even if it would bring them happiness. That's the takeaway of a study that's been published by the American Psychological Association. Researchers studied over 2,000 adults in Germany and Spain and found that 84 uh, 85 to 90 percent of them wouldn't want to know about upcoming negative events in their futures. Moreover, uh, 40 to 70 percent wouldn't even want to know about the positive events either. Um, <laughs> you know, it's they said the study they found that people would rather decline the powers that made, uh, you know, uh, that did that in an effort to forego the suffering that knowing the future may cause uh, or avoid regret and also maintain the enjoyment of suspense that pleasurable events provide. Uh, uh, Also among that, such events included the ability to know if they'd win a certain sports game, uh, what they'd get for Christmas, or if their marriages would eventually end. Learning the gender of an unborn child was found to be the only revelation more participants said they'd want to know than those who didn't. Um, they also noted that the nearer an event, the less likely someone would want to find out the spoiler. You know, I, I think I agree because the thing is, is that fate's going to happen. I I think no matter what we do, and I think us knowing we may either try too hard to have it happen, Mm -hmm. knowing, you know, you know, or we may, or not try hard enough. Yeah, or not try hard enough because we know what's going to happen. And in doing so, we could mess it up. So I would rather not know. And then I think also the question came up, if you knew the exact date that you were going to expire nope. from this earth, no one would want to know. I don't think I would want to know either. So, Even if it was you're going to die in your sleep when you're 900 years old. Nope. <laughs> nope. Wow. Let me live yeah. because then it's like as the day gets closer, the more I'd have to. There's people want to plan and fit stuff in, and just I'd rather not. Hmm. Interesting. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, I kind of agree. I don't think I would want to know any of that. Um, when, when you were pregnant, did you know the gender of your child, or did you? Wait? Uh, I tried to wait, but then my doctor accidentally revealed it. So we no. ended up finding out beforehand. <laughs> you know what? And here's the thing: I wasn't really that upset about it. It was. I said something about. I said something about soccer player, and he and she said. Or it was his Um and I said something about soccer player, and he said or ballerina, and I went excuse me, and he went I, I, or soccer player. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, alrighty then. So yeah, oh, no. it was you okay. Suck. It was alright. <laughs> But then that also meant that, I mean, we were already going to do very neutral baby room, baby palette, um, clothing, that kind of thing. We were already planning on doing a very gender neutral kind of space, but it did help with some of our relatives who wanted very specific gender. Like, well, I want to get, whether it's a boy or a girl, I want to get this or I want to get that. And it's like, uh, so it did help with that, but for us, it didn't matter. No. Oh. Well, um, one of the things before I kind of get to our next story, I want to take a quick look here at the things tonight that are trending online on this Friday night, since we are here with you. Uh, among one of the things, of course, is SmackDown, if those of you are uh, watching, uh, or probably in some areas have finished watching. <laughs> Uh, it's the number one trending thing tonight. Um, and then um, the Chicago Bulls um, are trending for, for all the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> the Chicago Bulls blew a 22-point lead and lost to the cool. Oklahoma City Thunder 127-125. to 125. Uh, <laughs> they had 18 of their 24 turnovers in the second half. So <laughs> trending for all the wrong reasons. Um, One Night in Miami, the uh, movie that a lot of people are thinking uh, will garner some Oscar buzz here is trending, and it is now available on Prime Video. Uh, I will not get too much into politics, but the My Pillow guy is trending. For all the wrong reasons. Um, if you want to know why, uh, you will have to go online and see it. It is to seem to be believed. And also Tommy Tuberville was trending earlier, too, for all the wrong reasons, which pretty much is a head slapper, which you will not believe. Um, and beyond that tonight, um, there's pretty much all sports that is trending. Uh, also... I'm not even going to go into this. I know one of two of the people involved in this, uh, and it seems almost every few months. Uh, there are, and somebody help me understand. And I, I guess you know they make money off of being famous on the web. But Trisha Paytas is a famous person, famous on YouTube, famous YouTuber, and. From what I read tonight and from going through it, I guess there was something that happened with her and Jeffree Star, and then there's a couple other things that happened, and she decided to go online in a tearful, um, in a, in a tearful thing to talk about it. But here's the thing about this. 
you know, I know they're both, you know, they make their money off of this. They make their money off of being popular. Can we have like a maybe, you know, just like elections for politicians? Can we do like a yearly election for like YouTube influencers? <laughs> it's always <laughs> the same people. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, God bless you if that's what you want to do. But I was kind of like, it almost seems like I don't know what to believe because people go online and they do things and they say things and they do it because think about it. You get paid for people that follow you. So you have to keep yourself relevant in some way. So even if it's the most insane thing, or even if it's the most stupidest thing, you know, you'll come up with something controversial so that people will follow you. And like, just like tonight, we're talking about it because it's trending on Twitter. I didn't want to, but it's trending. And when I saw it, once again, for the second or third time in the last few months, she's trending, but for all the – God knows whatever reason. But I, I think YouTube influencer is – it's not a job. <laughs> it's, you know, they, ha- they add nothing to what's going on out here. Nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to let you keep going so that there's not going to be a commentary or a two-minute rant. There you go. No. You're only at about a minute and a half. A two-minute rant? No, that's not worth a two-minute rant. Because, like I said, these people make their living by putting themselves out there no matter how stupid it is or no matter how drama-filled it is. And I can't believe that they make money off of doing this. I mean, there's some real-life stuff that's going on out here that's way better than that. And I don't know if I could feel bad for some rich person boo-hooing on uh, social media about some words that were said to them by somebody. You've got money. Who mm-hmm. gives a crap somebody just said to you? I got money. <laughs> I am not going to care what somebody says to me if I got money, especially if I win the Powerball or the Mega Millions this weekend, I can give two craps about what you said. That's pretty much it. But he will be back next Friday. That way you guys don't know that he won the Powerball. Just just letting you know. No, you know what? I will be If I win the Powerball, I will be here. I will be here. Still. Yes, I know. I will do this I know. Show. Huh? I will do this I know show. you would. That's why I said you'd be here Friday after winning the yep. Powerball, but you wouldn't be in Chicago. You'd be, you know, from a beach in Hawaii or in something. Parts unknown. Yeah, maybe parts unknown. <laughs> <laughs> That's about to happen. Parts unknown is where I will be. So we'll, we'll change the show. We'll be like, from parts unknown, this is page one. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't even know. I'll be in a neighboring villa. There you go. <laughs> if you hear some ocean waves behind me, yo, don't pay attention to that. It's white noise machine. That's what that is. The white You're noise machine. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, I guess, uh, being in a peaceful surrounding, could you make peace if you lost money? The San Francisco man who can't remember the password to unlock his 220 million Bitcoin fortune says he long ago, quote, made peace with the reality he may never gain access. Stephen Thomas went viral this week after a New York Times profile revealed to the world his unsettling dilemma. The password to unlock his Bitcoin fortune is locked in a hard drive that gives users 10 attempts before wiping clean. 
Thomas has just two more tries. In an interview with KGO TV on Wednesday, he said it's now been nine years since he first realized he was locked out of his account, which means he's had ample time to process it. He says there are uh, there was sort of a couple of weeks where I was just desperate. I don't have any other word to describe it, recalling how he felt when he first learned he couldn't find his password in 2012. You sort of question your own self-worth. What kind of person loses something that important? But time heals all wounds, he added. And over the years, he said he has made peace with his loss. It was actually a really big milestone in my life where, like, I sort of realized how I was going to define my self-worth going forward. He says it wasn't going to be about how much money I have in my bank account. That's all great and altruistic, but losing $220 million? I don't know. Uh, he says that since the profile, hundreds of people around the world have reached out to him with advice, some serious and others silly. One person suggested, have you tried the word password, he joked. Some people have recommended various mediums, psychics, prophets that I could talk to. Some people are suggesting uh, even memory-enhancing drugs. So far, he's not taking anyone up on it. Uh, the editor at large at CNET explained that his situation is not that uncommon. The way that Bitcoin works and uh, all this technology works uh, is all that it's meant to be anonymous. But a lot of this data is actually hidden behind a specific password that you have to get into your account. Uh, he also said that there are many people who have bought Bitcoins years ago, back when they were worth very little, wrote down their password somewhere and just thought it wouldn't be a thing. And now it's worth millions, and they're sitting there racking their heads trying to figure out what piece of paper uh, is or what their password might have been. Um, I, you know, this, I was just amazed when I heard this story because – I, I, I don't even know how. I, I think I probably would have had about 10 strokes and five heart attacks by that point, knowing it 220 mm-hmm. minutes. And what, what type of system would I trust anyway that I can't reset my freaking password? <laughs> <laughs> or at least call an 800 number and have somebody give it to you. I, I don't get that. That to me, I'm not going to put potential money somewhere where if I fail to remember my password and I only get 10 chances, otherwise I lose it. No, thank you. Even better than that. How many times have you typed in your password? It's exactly your password, but your caps lock was on. (laughs) (laughs) Or the num lock wasn't on. You know what I'm talking about. You type it in, it's typed in correctly, but then the the computer goes, "Uh uh-uh, wrong password, and you're like, what? (laughs) There's one chance gone. Steaming mad. It's like it's all caps locks and so on. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You know, he can't be at peace. There's no way you could be at peace knowing that there's 220 million and you only got two more chances. Well, he's obviously not at peace if he's already tried eight times to get into it. I don't know. I, I've, that's a new one. Because if he was I, at peace, could, he would have tried the last two times and locked himself completely out. He's not at much. peace with it. He's still trying to figure out how to get it into his password. Right. He's a liar. <laughs> yes, he is a liar because there's no way, like I said, that anyone should feel comfortable, especially with a situation like that. So I don't, I don't know. That's, that's amazing. Um, we had a couple of minutes left. Um, actually, one quick thing before we go. Uh, I know you are one of those people, I, I just know, I, I say this jokingly, 
uh, that you love to continue the holidays after one holiday is over. This story <laughs> I saw today <laughs> was actually kind of amazing. Uh, people are turning their Christmas trees into Valentine's Day trees. If you haven't recycled your Christmas tree yet, you may want to think twice about doing so. You could have a fun and festive decoration project on your hand. People are taking to Instagram to show off their cool Valentine's Day trees, and it's really easy to do t- or yourself. Uh, a YouTuber uh, called the Madu Pokey shows how easy it is to transform your Christmas tree into a Valentine's Day tree. Pretty much, they took the pink tree and put like some red hearts and red. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's just called laziness that you just don't want to get rid of the tree, or I don't know if that. Uh, um, I don't know what. To call it. <laughs> there are rainbow colored trees out now. Are you kidding? Yeah, I've seen that. I have seen that. So uh, I, I've seen the rainbow colored trees, but this was like a pink and white tree, and then they uh, they pretty much. So put it's probably white. On. It was probably a white mm-hmm. tree. And then they just put in the pink stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you could do that yeah. for whatever you do. I said a Halloween uh, tree, so why not? <laughs> I, I remember once seeing, and I forgot what show it was, there was a lady with a Christmas tree who had her whole home with Christmas trees, and she kept them up all year long. And they still had an original Christmas tree, live Christmas tree, or was it a fake? It was either a real or a fake, but it was from like the seventies. And they've kept this thing alive for a very long time. I think it was. I can't go back and remember now what it was. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. But amazing story in itself. But uh, with that, uh, I would ask if you, and I'm pretty sure you do this week. So I would ask if you had any shout outs. I do. We there is a special birthday this weekend. So, yay, happy birthday. I don't know if he's listening or not, but yay, happy birthday. And then Wait, before you do that, shout out to I know you can... what? You said special birthday, so I got to bring this up. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then a big thanks to my son for basically giving loaning me her couch for a minute so that I could do the show uh, remotely. Remotely, still from out that way, but um, yeah. Yes. So no, we, uh, yes. <laughs> so yes, but uh, with that, uh, we'll wrap it up here a little early tonight. Um, and unless you've got anything else, uh, uh, no. no. I'd say go bold, but you know that's wet down the tubes real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Uh, with that, we will say that uh, definitely, uh, hopefully you'll take a little time out, be reflective, remember this weekend, uh, the King Holiday weekend, uh, have a safe weekend. I will see you on Sunday night uh, with Marcy Diamond for the 411 Lounge, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central. And then, of course, Mary and I will be back here next Friday night, God willing, for another edition of Page One. And I'm pretty sure, um, especially, I will say this now, uh, the week ahead, even starting today, I'm sure, will be a trying one. And I really hope, uh, my hope is by the time that we all see each other next Friday night, um, that we practice vigilance, 
um, that we use common sense and that we move forward. We don't need to move backward. Um, so just praying for all of that. And in the meantime, be safe out there. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on page one. Good night, everybody. One. Don't forget to get the latest show info on Twitter at News Comment BTR and add us as a podcast on Apple.